Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the notorious Matt. Hello there. Well Matt, uh, this week we are discussing uh, the second part of what I guess you would call quite a loose two-parter. Uh, yeah. With the woman who lived, uh, I think you can really tell that they they were kind of probably at some point written almost as separate episodes. Uh, uh, and uh, but you know, obviously, there's a bit of a through line between them. But before we get there, um, forty five minutes of unrelated blather. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Just for fun, eh? Shall we start with some related blather? Oh, if you've got some. Always up for a bit well, of related blather. You know, last week we were trying to work out the director of this episode, Ed Balazjet or Balaget. And I reckoned it was Basiljet. Well, I, I did a little bit of reading on him. Yeah. And did you know he's probably not most famous for directing Doctor Who? Is he not? What else has he done then? He is the lead guitarist in popular 80s band The Vapors. I have never heard of the Vapors, but all right then. You've never heard of turning Japanese? No. Sounds racist, is it? (laughs) It's not actually about being Japanese. It's about the face men pull when they ejaculate. Yeah, so so, so it is racist then. (laughs) I I can't believe you've never heard that. That's the sort of wheelhouse, and I'll choose my words politely here that mm. you'd be interested in potentially i mean uh, i mean apart, uh, assuming that, that so you've that, never heard turning japanese i don't think so no what are you so it's an 80s band are we are we talking like uh, like new romantic or like new wave or what um, kind of style i think they describe themselves as punk right yeah i'm not You've never heard like, turning Japanese. I, I like some post punk. I'm not really big on punk as as a as a as a like not not what you call like pure proper punk because I just find it a bit too, you know, it 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 is it, not enough meat on the bones for me. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I'll look it up. Like like I say, I'm I'm very. It sounds really racist from what you're saying, Matt. So I'm I'm not in any great hurry to listen to that one, but I might check out some of their other stuff. Um, so he pivoted from uh, from music to TV directing at some point. Then presumably, that's quite an interesting career shift. I just can't believe you've never heard turning Japanese. All right, well, I'll tell you so, what, I'm Matt. Not... All right, all right. I feel like you're just belabouring a point here in an effort to get back at me for the King Crimson outburst. But what, what, what do you mean? <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, but tell you what, as a favour to you, I'll listen to it and report back next week. Uh, there's no need. It's not really yeah. that good. It's just like yeah. a fairly well-known song. That's Never no mind. sign that I I would have heard of it, to be fair. Um, That was one of my facts of the episode. Yeah. Well, then. No, it fell on deaf ears. (laughs) Never underestimate how how, uh, ignorant I am of popular culture, Matt. Yeah. Uh. I'm I'm learning. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, So, well, then. 
what do we start with, Matt? What's what's I, I'm assuming you've drawn up a bit of a, a an agenda for this week. Yeah, only loosely, only yeah. loosely. What, what um, do you want to touch on first? Uh, I mean, have you had a nice week? Uh, I've I've enjoyed my weekend. I've had a yeah. lovely weekend. I, I just with my family. I just needed to know whether I was just going to work myself up for you complaining about your week for the next hour and a half. Uh, so I mean, that's good to know. I can. Take I would say it's t- t- take it as read for the foreseeable future that I have had a fucking awful week at work because there's a lot of shit going on. Most of my um, weekend, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to spend some time with David. And then you just log on and you're just like, I have had a bastard of a week. <laughs> what do you mean yeah. you've never heard of King fucking Crimson? <laughs> you know, that's just that's just the direction of travel of things recently work-wise. It's, it's, it's a challenging time for, for everyone in my field of work. So... Um, yeah, I'm. I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on stuff outside of that. I've been trying to catch up a bit on One Division. Okay. Um, I've. I'm still. I'm still not there yet, so I won't go into the spoilers. But I'm hopeful by this time next week, when we sit down to record, we may can maybe can have a chat about One Division as a whole. Um, yeah. And I've also been doing other Marvel related things. I've been. Uh, I've been playing a bit of Marvel Champions Solo, uh, which is a card game. Uh, any good which oh i really like it yeah if you're into if you some people think like solo board gaming is an oxymoron trust me it isn't it's uh it's a very satisfying way if you if you just like puzzles if you like having a good old think if you like shuffling bits of card and stuff around it's a good way to kill an hour and and marvel champions is a pretty darn good one um probably the best translation of superhero story in, into a, a board game format that I've ever played personally, you know, and I've played See, a few this week. My, my like TV habits this week, uh, me and my wife have really gotten into watching Gordon Ramsay's kitchen nightmares, USA. Oh, crikey. Yeah. I can, but only that. the first 20 minutes, only the bit where he screams about how awful <laughs> everything is. Like I'm not interested in redemption stories and like, yeah, reuniting shattered families i just want him to try some crab cakes work out its imitation crab meat and then just berate people <laughs> yeah it's it's some pretty it's as as trash tv goes it's it's pretty high quality satisfying trash um yeah. me and my partner we've been watching ghosts this week the bbc uh, sitcom i don't know if you've have you heard of it no. It's it's from the people who did horrible histories. Oh, I have and, heard of it, yeah. I've not watched yeah, it. Yeah. It's really good. It's really, really good. Um like it's not Is it, is it Simon Farnaby? Simon Farnaby and uh other people whose names I am forgetting. Katie Wicks is in it, Lolly Adafope. Quite a few um like and and it's got that thing of like it almost reminds me it's not as surreal as Monty Python but it has that element of like they're an ensemble and they're all playing these slightly exaggerated characters um and it has that real sort of like ensemble feel to it which is really fun um so yeah it's that's been a a, a really great 
a great. Uh, I, I, I'm just delighted, really, that my partner f- finally finished what every episode of Superstore that's on Netflix because I fell off that show hard, Matt. I really? it got to the it got to the point that I couldn't be in the same room as it purely because oh, wow. I, I don't know the way I'd summarize that is it 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 acts like it's Parks and Rec and it's this wholesome fun workplace comedy thing, but. Everyone in it is awful in the way like people on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia are. But it's like the creators and the and the actors don't realise how horrible their characters are. So you're meant to think they're lovely and endearing. And I'm just like, these are just dreadful human beings and I want no part of this. Oh, wow. And it doesn't help that all the plot, a lot of the plot lines resolve, revolve around how, you know, how they're underpaid and they don't have any health care um coverage and i'm just like they're awful people but also they're trapped in an absolute living hell working in uh working for a for a superstore in a, a country that has no basic level of healthcare support so yeah really really depressing is basically my wow. assessment of superstore wow. it might work for some people my partner enjoyed it but yeah i i really i it got about halfway through season two, and I was just like, I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> my, my other TV recommendation of the week yeah. would be Teen First Dates. So I, I've never uh-huh. watched First Dates, where it's obviously, you know, you set a blind date up and see what happens. Yeah. But the teenage version, because on on normal first dates, it's just absolute freaks. Mm. that you know there's a reason why they can't get dates but the teen first date it is literally their first ever date and it was really like sweet and quite endearing yeah sounds very awkward no 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 it's definitely worth a watch i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i was going to yeah i don't I, i i can't even conceive of the kind of teenager who would be happy for their first date to be filmed and televised like that—that's a level of confidence that uh, is just like they might as well be an alien species, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but then again, I—I I won't think I've ever really been on what I would call a a, a date as <clears throat> such. I didn't didn't really kind of work out that way for me and my partner because we met online. So <clears throat> you know, we we kind of we we'd spent countless hours getting to know one another before we yeah. ever met in person so uh yeah it's all been kind of back to front for me really but uh yeah uh, um, so where what, should we go from here do you want to do, do what i lie to who because i'm i'm i'll be honest i'm chomping at the bit to get going with that i'm i'm really i, I really okay. i genuinely really enjoyed that last week okay so um you obviously went last week Yep. Um, and I'm going to go this week, I think. Um, and I thought I'd follow suit with the with because last week you did kind of your relationship with the show. Uh-huh. I was thinking about mine, and I I kind of zeroed in on on uh, merchandise and things like that because if you're a Doctor Who fan, sooner or later you acquire Doctor Who related stuff, even if you don't necessarily mean to. So so. Same as you, I've gone two lies and a truth. Uh-huh. So here we go. Um, in addition 
to my much prized and frequently referenced Jadoon mug, I also yep. own an egg cup with an ood on it. Yep. Uh, second statement. I went through a brief period of buying random Doctor Who action figures because they happened to be going cheap at an Asda near me at the time. Uh, but the only Doctor I ever ended up with was the 10th Doctor, specifically wearing his orange spacesuit as seen in The Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. And the final uh, statement, I have never owned a Doctor Who DVD. Okay. Which is the true. So that was egg cup, space suit, and DVD. Because what I I did last week was put this out on Twitter whilst we were recording so people could Mm -hmm. play along for the week. Right. Talk to me about this egg cup. So it's it's a double egg cup. Um, Okay. And it's sort of like slightly triangular shaped. If you can imagine, and okay. it's got it's got your standard bronze RTD era Dalek on one side, and on the other side, it's got an ood. Okay, and is it just white ceramic with like just a white ceramic picture of the ood yeah. on it? Came with an Easter egg. That, that doesn't Same as the my Judica. question, David. What? Yeah, it's white ceramic. It's with yeah, with a with it's like a full color print on each side. Okay. Okay. Right. When when you talk about Doctor Who DVDs, mm-hmm. is that omitting I mean, the one that I've bought for you and the one that Married to Who gifted us? The yes, because one? because they don't contain episodes of Doctor Who. Canine and Company mm-hmm. is a spin off. Yeah. Um, as is uh, Torchwood, you know that. Uh, uh, what I mean is, I have never owned a, a, a DVD disc with episodes of Doctor Who on it. Which Asda did you buy the figure from? Uh, I'm going to rapid fire some questions to you. That's fine, uh, uh, Gloucester. Um, I used to live. Uh, How much did it Gloucester. cost? Uh, oh, they were they were going for like three quid each. Is the thing. How long they have you like, had it? Um, years at this point. This Where's it in been. your house currently? <laughs> in a box somewhere. I never got massively into. I, as soon as they stopped stocking them cheap in Asda, I was just like, "Why am I? What other figures really do you have? Time. How? What's that? What other figures? What other figures? I've, I've got a Weeping Angel, which is the only one I keep out and and I keep that on my desk. Uh, so I've got a Weeping Angel. I've again, I've got an Ood. Uh, and I had the Johnson Master. This really dates the era in which these figures were coming out, doesn't it? It's all around that Series 3, Series 4. Um, is the Egg Cup your Egg Cup of choice? Uh, it is when I'm having two boiled eggs. Because it's quite. It, it feels weird to just have one because you've got a nook for two. So I've, I've, got to, I've got to be going, you know, doubling up on my eggs to justify it. Mm. I know recently you did mention you'd had dippy eggs. I love a dippy egg. Who doesn't? Right. Well, I, I think it's fair to say that you, I, I agree that you probably don't own any Doctor Who DVDs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because by the time this was all kicking off, it was probably all on iPlayer anyway. So you're saying that's that's true? No, I think that's the lie. And I'm looking for the other lie. I think 
So you think it's so? So you're saying it's a lie that I've never owned a Doctor Who DVD? No, I I believe that you have never owned a Doctor Who DVD. Okay, so you're saying the other two are lies then? Because it's two lies and a truth. Oh right, hold on. Right, I I think the one that is. Yeah, I I think that one is true. You think it's true that I've never owned a Doctor Who DVD? Yeah, I I think you're a, I think you're an eye player man. You think it's, mm, okay, yeah. I think and you do so, have an Ood egg cup, and although you said it came with an Easter egg, but recently I know that your wife made you a Doctor Who Easter egg because they're hard to come by. They are hard to come by had, these days. Yeah, you could have had that for some time. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my initial answer. I think the truth is that you've never owned a Doctor Who DVD. Okay. I'm afraid, Matt, that is a lie. Oh. I can list the Doctor Who DVDs that I have owned and have subsequently gotten rid of. It's true that generally I'm not... I've never massively collected them, uh, but I used to own Genesis of the Daleks, The Seeds of Doom... The Curse of Fenric, which I never even watched all of. I watched the first episode and never got around to the rest before I ended up selling it on. Um, and the first series of the reboot, the Christopher Eccleston series. Those are the Doctor Who DVDs that I did at one point own. I've subsequently got rid of them, but the statement was that I've never owned them. So that was a lie. Um, the truth is that I went through a brief period of buying random Doctor Who figurines from Asda, and the only Doctor I ever had was him wearing his orange spacesuit. Mm, right. I knew that that one was available. I've seen similar figures in B&M, like in the bargain bins, where it's like, yeah, so... I, I wouldn't sully my household with that rubbish. <laughs> Uh, and to be clear, I I was only massaging the the truth with the with the egg cup. I do own uh, an egg cup that came that came with uh, an Easter egg, and it's very much as described. But it was a Dalek on one side, and on the reverse, it was a Cybus Industries Cyberman, not a nude. All right, I'm going to have a little so look on eBay go. just see if I can find a Doctor Who egg mm. cup. So I was I was skirting close to the truth with both of my lies. I wonder how many are out there, like uh, other designs. Currently. Oh, I think I've pretty much seen the one that you have mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Double sided. Tri- double yeah, double sided triangular shape. Dalek uh, on one side, Jeep. Cyberman on the other. Uh, there's also another one where it's called a Dalek style egg cup. Mm. Where it's the Dalek like base, and you sit the egg in the top. And I'm going to send you this. Isn't that fun? That's quite whimsical. um, It looks very much like a marital aid. (laughs) Just check this out. I've just sent you the picture. Just going to have a quick butchers at this. (laughs) Yeah, now that that I see it, I see it in in, in context. Yeah. (laughs) One rude rude egg cup. Uh, the one is. that you've mentioned seems to be like the most common one. 
Yeah, well, like I say, it was this the the era in which I got a lot of Easter egg related Doctor Who tat is because it was the height. The tenant years was the height of Doctor Who merchandising for the twenty first century. You know, it was just everywhere for a few years. You could buy all kinds of crap, and it was super popular. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of it's it's all kind of dwindled a bit since, slowly but surely. Um, yeah, so I'm sure there are quite a lot of those knocking around. I still kind of want one of the Dalek, the, the Jadoon cup that I've got. It was, it was a choice between Daleks and Jadoons. And by the time my partner went to the shops to get me my Dalek Easter egg, they'd, they'd sold out, so she had to settle for Jadoon. Mm-hmm. Um, which, in hindsight, I'm kind of happy about. I love how weirdly specific that is. Wow. If you go on eBay for a Doctor Who milk chocolate egg with a Dalek ceramic mug, uh, you can only get them imported from the US and it looks Uh like it costs about £40. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be doing that. And then another, like, best part of 20 quid shipping. Yeah. And who's expecting a ceramic mug to make it over the Atlantic Ocean in one piece? I don't know. Married to who sent us like eight pint glasses? And they yeah, I'm. I'm staggered. I mean, to be fair, they were packed really, really well. So good job on that, guys. But uh, knowing what our couriers are like in the UK, you know, yeah. the way they'll just sling cardboard boxes into the backs of vans. And this isn't, it, you know, let's not go down the route of talking about the, you know, how shitty their working conditions are. But uh, I don't blame them as individuals <laughs> for being under pressure. But. Um, yeah, so there we go. That was uh, Would I Lie to Who? So I one point to me, zero points to you so far well, for those keeping score. you also score. guessed correctly last week, so I've made it 2-0. Is that how it works? Oh, so I get the point if... So I get a point, a point if... Yeah. You get a point if you guess correctly. Right. And you lose the point if you guess incorrectly. Okay. Because otherwise it could just be nil-nil forever. I suppose. So uh, so you're on negative one then? No, you're guess- on two. I'm on zero. Okay. All right. I'll give it, uh, just to keep it simple, whoever wins the week gets the point. All right. I think that makes, makes it simple. And the word win there is entirely subjective as <laughs> to what I think it wants to be. Fair enough. Right. So, um, what what's your meal week been like, Matt? What uh, are your highlights? A, a little bit up and down. A little bit up mm. and down this week. Uh, yeah. There was a bit of a saga I put out on Twitter where usually if we have like a nice big roast chicken dinner, the next day I use the chicken to make fajitas. And everybody knows fajitas are like my favourite meal. I even uh-huh. talked about how much I love fajitas in my wedding speech. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. spent the evening making fajitas, but my wife was on the phone to her nana for, like, hours. So I kept putting off eating these fajitas to the point I got so angry that I went in the kitchen and just plated up my own fajitas and just thought, <laughs> oh, she can make her own in a little bit. Yeah. And then when I walked through to the living room, she just went, Oh, Matt's brought me my tea. How sweet of him. 
So I, I had to forfeit what I would describe as a perfect plate of fajitas. Goalie. And absolutely goalie. Absolutely furious I was. Yeah. But, um, you know, marriage is about compromise, Matt, isn't it? Absolutely furious. <laughs> I still am. My blood's boiling. Um, but, yeah, that was like an okay dinner. Um, sadly, this week when I went to Booth's, they didn't have yep. any of the uh, meal boxes that I like to get and cook on a oh, weekend. No. Wow, so, so that's will, your, that's your guaranteed no... meal of the week gone. Yeah, so there'll be no chicken cacciatiere with pamantier potatoes or oh, dear. anything yeah. of the sort. And sadly, when I went to Morrison's, mm-hmm. their little fresh pizza bit, where they do the yeah. in-house made pizzas, was just replaced with, like, ordinary in-a-box pizzas. Oh. Like, my world's Shocking. been turned upside down. Dear, oh dear. So, uh, now, yeah. Part of, sounds... part of me thinks it's because I went to the supermarket at eight in the morning and nothing had been made yet properly. That's but... that's certainly a possibility. But, yeah, for my meal of the week, I'm going to put forward what I had for tea last night, which mm. was a lovely bit of surf and turf. Ooh. What was so... your surf? What was your turf? Lovely bit of ribeye steak for the turf. Uh-huh. And a little bit of squid and a little bit of shrimp for the surf. Well, then. There you go. Yeah. But on the whole, I, I was still so mad about the fajitas. I don't think it could be my meal of the year so far. Yeah. It's I, is it, it's I, just the, the context just soured it sufficiently that even yeah. if they were genuinely the best thing you'd eaten all year. You wouldn't, it like, as a, 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 there's a, a, a phrase that one of my favourite writers, P.G. Woodhouse, often used um, when a character was in a terrible mood, uh, where he described food as turning to ashes in their mouth. So is that kind of what happened with you and, and your fajitas? Any joy that you could have uh, extracted from them was just gone. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I was just not happy. Ah, oh, fair enough. You know. It was like when, a couple of weeks ago, when I said my favourite meal was when I just had a wine gum and loads of beers because it made me really happy. Well, this fajitas was the opposite. Mm. It, it just took the joy away from me. Uh, well, Never mind. these things happen. What about yours? What's your meal of the week been? Uh, I'll be honest, it's been an uninspiring week. Um, you know, for one reason and another. Um... So that being the case, if I'm being brutally honest with myself, it was the other day when I nipped out of work for a bit of fresh air for half an hour. Vegan sausage roll and a donut. No, I I went to Thomas the Baker's this time. I for, for okay. uh, went, so I was feeling a bit flashy. Did you get a spinach Florentine. No, but I am partial to a spinach Florentine. Uh, genuinely I am Uh, but on this occasion I went with uh, an egg mayonnaise sandwich on on a nice big generously proportioned granary bap uh, and an Eccles cake and I will will say it right now because I know they're traditionally a Lancashire thing but I believe Thomas the Bakers who are you know proudly Yorkshire based company make the finest Eccles cakes in Britain well, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you there, but I am going to disagree with your choice of sandwich. Yeah, 
What would, what would you have gone for? A Thomas the Baker's cheese and onion sandwich. Oh, they is, are phenomenal. Yeah, they are amongst the finest sandwiches. They, 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 they are. I was sorely tempted, and I get them more often than I should. But I, uh, I knew I was having something cheese related for dinner, so I was like, I'm going to pivot to egg rather than cheese for my lunch. But, um, yeah, no, the, Thomas the Baker's cheese and onion sandwiches are phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. What did you have for I, breakfast this morning? You know, curiously enough. <laughs> It was eggy bread again, and it wasn't my oh, doing really? this time. My partner woke up this morning, and she said, I've had a dream about eggy bread. We're going to have to have eggy bread for breakfast. And so we did. See, normally on on a Sunday, um, my wife usually works Saturdays, and then on a Sunday is when she takes care of her horses. Yeah. So we usually have like breakfast or brunch together on a Sunday, and then she'll yeah. go do her horses. I'll kill two hours doing this and then, you know, catch back up. But uh, this week, I didn't realise, but she is working today because, like, a member of her team's been COVID-bombed or whatever it is. Uh Okay. So yesterday, when I was in Morrison's, I bought, from the same company that make croissants in a can, I bought a pano chocolat. Yeah, pano chocolat in a can. Pano chocolate in a can? Wow, I don't think I've ever seen so, that. So, this morning I woke up, I made six lovely pano chocolates, and then when I went to like check what my wife was up to in the bathroom, I realised she wasn't there. Then I realised she wasn't anywhere in the house because she'd been called into work and I'd forgotten. So, I had some lovely pano chocolate. I haven't eaten all of them, mm-hmm. but a nice nice coffee and a pano chocolate. I went continental for my breakfast. Very, you know. Hard to argue with that. Mm. So, Have you had lunch today? Because we're recording a little bit later. Uh, not, not exactly. Because we've been we've been out of the park literally for. Let me think. Let me do the maths on it. Nearly four hours. We were out of the park what? with, with uh, little absorval off at the moment. The, the, that kid has stamina. I don't know where he gets it from. It's certainly not me. <laughs> but, yeah, so... We're, we're, you want to get him out in the fields. Earn some money off him. <laughs> you know, get him picking but, veg or something. No, nah, he'd just eat it all. <laughs> all right. You, you can't, literally, it doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's cooked or raw. You put anything that he thinks might be edible in front of him, it's going in right now. Um, but... Yeah, so so we we always pack snacks because we know we're going to be in it for the long haul. We didn't expect to be got there past lunchtime, but we were today. But uh, so I, I had I've had a packet of crisps and I've had some fruit and a little mm, satsuma. Nice. But uh, that's that's about it so far. See, one of my uh, plans yesterday was I spent the day making some home, homemade sorbet. Yeah, and I tried to have some for my lunch today. It's just a frozen block of fruit in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. I we tried making sorbet once years ago, and I think we had similar results. And plus, I it's... should have sieved it to get all the seeds out. It was just like yeah. a bitty block of fruit, just a mess. Yeah, yeah. That'll happen. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, well, g- g- credit to you for trying, at least. Yeah. Um, um, I don't I know think... if I've got anything else written down. Then let us, why, why don't we, have a little chat about Doctor Who. Uh, so this week, as we, as we mentioned up top, we're talking uh, about the woman who lived. Mm-hmm. You know, continuing the story of uh, Ashilda slash me as she refers to herself in this episode. Um, Matt, good episode or bad episode? Well, how are you rating the girl... Uh, the, sorry, the woman who lived? I'm going to go bad episode. Straight up bad episode. Uh, at best, bad episode, some good bits. Mm. Yeah, maybe bad episode, one good bit. Well, I'd be very but... interested to hear what that good bit is when, when we get there. Um, um, it's the lion man. He's the good bit. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, I loved him. I feel like you're trolling me right now, Matt. He's got like lights for his eyes, uh-huh. like headlights. He can hide yeah. in a bush. Yeah, he can walk amongst a crowd unnoticed, seemingly. <laughs> he's got his hood up. You know, you know even uh, when he's like okay. shouting, like hug him. Let's start the hugging. No one thinks, Carl, blimey, that bloke's got a silly voice. You know, I like him. (laughs) So I kind of have the opposite reaction to this episode in that I think it's mostly good, but the the space lion knocks it down a peg or two, it must be said. Um, Yeah, I'm not really a fan of the space lion. I like how silly he is. It's 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 a it's a shame. I think I don't know how you would you need to do something. I don't think the plot itself is bad. I think it's just the the, the decisions that the, were the made. Plot, it, the plot is bad. <laughs> okay. The plot is so bad. Okay. Well, we can get into that. But right. what what Cause... saves it? What saves this story for me is the performances of Peter Capaldi. And uh, Maisie Williams, who, unlike last week, I think is actually very good in this because she's given more to do, and she, you know, she meets the challenge um, more than. And uh, and actually, you know what? I'm going to say shout out to Rufus Hound as well. I think he's really good as a supporting player you know in this story. Like I, I don't really like Rufus Hound. Again, I've only really known him from. Did he used to be on Celebrity Juice? Yes, um, I believe so. And I didn't really care for him on that. And he was pretty good in this. I liked him a lot more in this than anything else I've seen him in. Yeah, I think he's one of those people where I feel like he's a likeable presence, but I've yet to see something that I really... Um, that, that, like, really... Uh, solidifies him for me as, as, as someone to, to keep an eye on, if that makes sense. Uh, but having said that, I am really keen one day when a little absorb lost the right age, he's, he did a CBBC sitcom about 10 years ago called Hounded. There's like quite a high concept sci-fi sitcom thing. Cause uh, worth mentioning here, he's quite a big Doctor Who fan. Yeah. Um, I so think this I is a bit sort of tell that. Yeah. You can t- sometimes you get guest actors, and you can see that they're just they're so happy to just be in Doctor Who that they finally get to do it. Uh, yeah, he was very much fell into that camp. Um, but 
yeah, so I'm, I really want to watch Hounded one day, but I'm kind of saving that until uh, until the nipper's the right age for it, I think. Right. Do you want some listener feedback on this episode? Yeah, let's go for it. So I asked, is this episode any good out on Twitter? And the first reply was from Frank. Do you want to say hello to Frank, David? Hi, Frank. See, that's better. Yeah, Frank, and do you know Frank why that sent is? sent a message saying, like, hello back to us. So I'm glad you yeah. put a bit of effort in there. Well, that's because I, I basically, I, I I was able to, because to, I watched that yesterday. And I so I kind of, like, replayed it in my head. So I had an actual face that I was responding to. Right, well, now... Um, it's going to be like, you know, on Dick and Dom, where they played bogeys. Yeah. Each week, I want you to, like, a bit like tennis, I want you to outdo each other by shouting hello louder and louder. <laughs> right, so, Frank says, this is not a good episode. The last one was bad, but this one is boring, which I argue is a worse quality to have. Mm-hmm. I hope they didn't spend too much on Maisie Williams, because she really phones in her performances in these episodes. I'd say I agreed with that for last episode. Less so this week. No, she's she's definitely she's she's doing some work in this one. I'd say, um, but I, this is one of those ones where, like, I personally, I like it despite its flaws. I totally get why somebody wouldn't enjoy this one. I you like if somebody turns around to me and says, "I really don't like this," I'd just be like, "Sure, yeah, <laughs> makes sense." I you know. It's not going to be for everyone, this. Um, I think part of it is also, you, you know that I am, I'm a bit of an easy sell when it comes to historicals. And this is perhaps a unique example in Doctor Who where we get two historicals on the trot. I can't think of another time in modern Who that that's happened. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head. So, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of like it for that. Um Right, but well, yeah, no. yeah. the next email that came in, mm. someone who also was not a fan of this episode, David, it's Marty McLean. Hi, Marty. Okay, he says, I'm not a fan of this one, to be honest. There's some strong scenes, but overall it's let down by me becoming a Mary Sue, eye-rolling jokes, and the predictable Lenny the Lion plot. Huh. Yeah, I mean, the Lenny Lion, yeah, absolutely. It, it loses points for that, for sure. I don't know that I'd agree with characterising me as a Mary Sue. Um, that's kind of... I feel like that's... To, everyone has a slightly different definition of that, I feel like. But for me, I, I always assume a Mary Sue is somebody that, like, everybody loves and, you know, is, is can do no wrong. You know, a, a bit like Martin and, McLean himself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but me in this clearly does do wrong, and is not universally loved, and uh, yeah, is capable of, of of making severe mistakes, and you know, isn't brilliant at everything. So I I would kind of take issue with with referring to myself, but I I kind of get what he means in that that you like they do the old. Oh, if you practice anything long enough, you become an expert at it, um, and so that's a good excuse for them to kind of give her some, in, in some cases, frankly bizarre skills, which we'll mention when we get to it. What, what um, do you think is your best skill? 
my best skill. Yeah, what's the one thing you're like best at in the world? <sighs> I just... It's just, this is not just me being self-deprecating, right? But I genuinely don't think I'm particularly good at anything, to be honest. I enjoy well, writing, but I'm not necessarily particularly good at it. I'm certainly, I've never, uh, I've never had anything sort of published in any mainstream capacity. So, can't really claim that, can I? Um, I'd say your greatest skill is friendship. It's clearly not, though, is it, Matt? Because <laughs> I'm oh, hopeless at keeping in touch was, with people. I was trying to, like, make you feel a little bit better there. Oh, well, I mean, I'm very uh, I'm very loyal to people who I do become friends with. I, 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 don't, I don't ditch friends easily, and I don't have a massive circle of friends, so I'm not, like, always... If I like someone and I want them to be a part of my life, they are always, always welcome to be a part of my life. So, you know... I've got that, but I'm in terms of like just hanging out with people and, and, and replying to messages and things like that, I am fucking shit at it. So I feel like I, I don't I don't think I feel like that's an important skill to have if you if you're gonna claim that you're good at friendship. Um I'm okay at Magic the Gathering. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Everyone's got a talent. <laughs> that's not something to be proud of um, have you ever watched the documentary about Magic the Gathering like the World Championships uh, no because I find professional Magic the Gathering an absolutely hateful cesspit of uh, it's absolutely it... mental yeah I, I have no interest in the pro card game scene I play games because I want to have fun, uh, and it seems like it's the anathema of that in that that whole scene. So yeah, I've n- I've never participated in a tournament. I have absolutely no interest in doing so. I like just I like just playing friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going to take you on the road. It's going to be like the Queen's Gambit, but it's going <laughs> to be me coaching you worldwide to play well, Magic anyway. Gatherer. You've put me on the spot here. What about you, Matt? What would you say is your best skill? Um, pretty good at freestyle rap. Um, pretty good <laughs> at karate. Yeah. Um, both of those were lies, if you were keeping up. Um, what is my best skill? I'm pretty good at consuming pizza. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you I, can I, just... Leave it at that if you want. Yeah, uh, certainly the ten hour ten thousand hour principle. If we're talking pizza, I'm a grandmaster yeah. on that front. Yeah, you've 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 put you've put your hours in on that primarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if if it was in line with your choice of Magic the Gathering, the Pokemon computer games. Um, I have finished oh, yeah. every single one of them. I have a complete. Living decks, okay, which mm-hmm. is quite a high percentage shiny, okay. So I'm doing pretty good on that front. Yeah, yeah. You've um, you have put in an insane amount of time into Pokemon over the years. Yeah, um, some would say too much. When when you buy yourself a some. nice moleskin <laughs> notebook so you can keep a log of certain like 
facts and attributes about your Pokemon, you know you're going too far, really. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I mean, I I don't think any Doctor Who fan is in any place to judge anyone else for how much uh, thought and effort they put into a seemingly frivolous thing. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, but, but at least Pokemon's worth it. That's the I suppose difference. so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm, do you I'm want not some more feedback? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Did anyone okay. like this episode? Uh, well, we'll keep going. We've got three more to go. So, okay, Jake from the Married to Who podcast. Do you want to say hi to those guys, David? Hi. I genuinely, I've got something to say about that. In that, I was, I, as I mentioned before, I, I'm kind of not trying, trying not to listen ahead in terms of where we are at with our watch through. Mm -hmm. So just the other day I was listening to their episode on the girl who died and it featured the first time they ever shouted out our show. Do you know what? I was about to drop that fact. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was so listening was this week and they basically say, Oh, I found this podcast. I think you might like. <laughs> so that's very sweet. It's like, it's, it's kind of, and slightly surreal to kind of suddenly hear, uh, hear that after everything we've done since. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, so what did Married to Who have to say about this? So one, they said every scene with where it's just Maisie and Peter talking is great. Every other yep. scene is less than great. Mm. So when I discuss yeah. my one good thing, it's pretty much in line with that line of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Courtney... Says he was sorry he's late to reply. He's been too busy listening to Married to Who and the Companion Piece podcast. Yeah, yeah, another shout out okay. to them. They, they dropped their uh, Susan episode recently. I was listening to that this week. Yeah. And he says he's back now and is going to say good things about this episode. On the whole, ah. he actually quite likes this one. There's an interesting and more realistic take on what immortality would do to a person. Yeah. Rufus Hound is excellent as the Jolly Highwayman Sam Swift. It mm -hmm. absolutely suits him, and that aspect brought some much-needed comedy, stopping the episode from being a dull and dry affair. I'm not sure that... And then, I, I don't know if anyone can agree on what the lion's name is. Leandro, yeah. is it? I think so, yeah. Okay. He's not sure that Leandro was very good, but then he's a minor part of the episode. It does benefit from having an absence of Jenna Coleman, who was off making the film, at least, and gives much more time for Maisie Williams to de develop a relationship with uh, Peter. And he says Peter Eccleston, and he says that's a niche joke from when Capaldi was announced. It's a joke I don't get. Oh, I can explain it if you like. Uh, first of all, I, I pretty much 100% agree with, with what James has said there. Um, and uh, the, the, the Peter Eccleston thing. Okay, so... If you're interested, Matt, this is a, a, a great thing to watch as a sort of curious uh, bit of TV ephemera. You know how the BBC can't keep the next Doctor under wraps? It's going to leak, so they try and get ahead of the papers and, and, and do their own announcement. Mm -hmm. And that's been a gradual upscaling, you know, over the course of New Who, where... I think initially for, for David Tennant, I think they had just announced it like on the Radio Times website and on the BBC News website and stuff like that. Uh, for Matt Smith, they released a special episode of 
Doctor Who Confidential, which was the behind the scenes show that was running at the time, where, where they had like, you know, Matt Smith's first interview talking about how excited he was to take on the role and stuff like that. When Smith quit and they announced Peter Capaldi, they did a special live show in like a studio with like big fancy lights and a sofa. And I think it was, I want to say it was Zoe Ball presenting it. Okay. I remember it quite vividly because it was broadcast on my birthday <laughs> that year. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so they did this big announcement and Rufus Hound was one of the guests as, you know, a celebrity who is also a passion, you know, really passionate about Doctor Who. He was, a you know, and is a big Doctor Who fan. Um, and, but he he kind of slipped up when he was talking about the show's history. Um, he was ref- wanted to refer to Christopher Eccleston and he accidentally said Peter Eccleston. Right, okay. Um, and so, and he got absolutely like, you know, people were accusing him of being a fake fan and stuff because he didn't know Christopher Eccleston's name and, uh, and like, and I felt really terrible for that because it was because it was broadcast live, you know, you couldn't mm-hmm. like re- retake it or edit it or anything. So there, it, it, an indelible mark against him as a so-called Doctor Who fan is that he got Christopher Eccleston's name wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> could happen right. to anyone. Could absolutely happen to anyone. So yeah, right. James continues and says, "I wonder if it would have been better if there was a gap between last week's and this." You would have felt the gap between their meeting much more. Perhaps the girl who died would have been a better series opener, less continuity heavy, and also with a big guest star. Mm. The argument against that would be that it's harder to see the difference in Maisie Williams' acting between episodes. It just shows what a fantastic actor she is. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about that before. You could space it out differently. But, yeah. I kind of quite like them rolling one into the next, I think. And then final message comes from Chris. Do you want to say hello to Chris, David? Hi, Chris. Who says, completely boring episode and Rufus Hound is absolutely wasted on a character with no charm or payoff. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely, it's a divisive one, isn't it? Um... Certainly, like, there's good and bad. And there's yeah, yeah. what the good and bad is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think anybody has particularly nice things to say about the space lion, though. <laughs> I think there's pretty much universal agreement that that was a swing and a miss. Yeah, I just did a little Google in there and I worked out that The Wizard of Oz was released 82 years ago. Lion costumes yeah. haven't come on a great deal, have they? <laughs> <laughs> Except this one's got headlights. Yeah, it does have headlights. It's got that going for it. Okay, come on then, Matt. Let's, let's get stuck into this. Right, 52 minutes we've done so far. That's good. I That's know, good. yeah. You're not the unlucky so-and-so who has to actually edit this. They get longer every week, Matt. I know. I I was late releasing uh, a couple of weeks ago because I literally ran out of time. Right, well, you need to get your act together, all right? Yeah. Less little jaunts to Thomas the Baker's. More editing, please. (laughs) Right, so this is The Woman Who Lived, episode six of season nine. Okay, from the 24th of October, 2016. Mm. It is written by Catherine Trigano, and as we've said, it's directed by Ed Basilgetti. 
Uh, you played yeah. guitar so in the Vegas. Catherine Trigana, I think... I don't think she's written for the show before. I'm trying to remember. not a name I recognise, no. Yeah, yeah. Want to keep it? I might do some googling about that later. I mean, Although I do say that every week, done. and then you just tell me that the writer's <laughs> done like a thousand episodes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think this is her debut. Right. So we open with an old stagecoach, which is being held up by the nightmare. Ooh. Yeah. Spelt has... spelt with uh, with a K, like uh, the the old TV uh, show. Th- yeah, and you know Which what? I was just watching... dropped on BritBox today. Yeah, I I, I, I watched it. I was, it was a couple of days ago, I think. I, I I watched an episode last night on BritBox just for fun. Oh, is it, is it as good as you'd remember? I mean, it's exactly as I remember. Uh, so good yeah, on. kind of good, kind of incredibly shy and incredibly endearing all the same. It is without doubt the nerdiest thing that was ever on TV in the nineties. I know. There's a, there's a brilliant clip on YouTube, and I can't forget, I can't remember the guy's name, yeah. but it's literally in the first room on Nightmare, and there's like a bridge, and just yeah. one of the people that's guiding the person just goes like, Jamie, step to your left, and he just falls straight off the bridge. <laughs> and you can see everyone else is absolutely like, what have you done that for? <laughs> but, and like the poor lad's just like, Oh yeah, I got. I meant right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Sorry, it's Simon. Sidestep to your left. If you if you want to look that up, it's well worth. I'm gonna time. have to have a look at that. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> right. So, she, well, the nightmare has a companion hidden in the woods. Mm-hmm. With bright headlight eyes. Ooh. Ooh. And she's clearly holding up this stagecoach because there's something specific that she's after. Yeah. The doctor is also investigating the coach and interrupts the robbery. Yeah. And. And he's got a gadget. I, I, yeah. I love it when the doctor's just got a random gadget. Is it his curio detector? That's what he refers to it as. Yeah. Yeah. So the nightmare is furious is that this has been interrupted, okay? Mm-hmm. The doctor mentions that Clara's not here because she's too busy teaching year seven taekwondo. Yeah. Jack of all trades, that woman. She is. Okay. And as the nightmare and the doctor are arguing, the stagecoach leaves. Mm-hmm. So neither manages to catch whatever it is they're after. Yeah. And after a while... Of the arguing continues, and we find out the nightmare is a shilder. Yes. Ooh. Wow. So, did you see that coming? Uh, yeah, because you literally told me last week it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you that it, that she was going to be a highwayman. No. But, but yeah, it's not. It's it wasn't a big surprise for anyone. I don't think. Like. She's like she's all you know in the lead up to it to this week's episode. There were like stills released of like her wearing the tricorn hat and the mask and and all the rest of it. So yeah, I don't think they were really playing a long game on that one. Though the voice thing is weird. Can we talk about the voice thing? Yeah. Where she's like she's claiming that that with sufficient practice she's able to just sound like a completely different human being. Like I get being able to to kind of 
project a deeper voice and like you know manipulate it to some extent but like even in like world-class prof- uh impressionists if you listen to them long enough you can detect the underlying note of their their natural speaking voice right mm-hmm. but this is clearly just a, a male actor just ADR'd in over Maisie William. Yeah, you know, because when she's got the mask over her face, like yeah. the mouth isn't moving in sync with the words or anything. Yeah, like that. it's just so it just it, I find it really off putting. Like, could they not have just maybe they tried it and it didn't work, or like digitally treating her voice or something, you know? I feel like there was another way to do that other than what we ended up with. So it's kind of a wobbly start for the episode because of that. I always find that very off-putting, that uh, that opening. So we find out it's 1651. Yeah. And the Doctor lets slip that he hasn't come for a shilder. She kind of says, you know, oh, I've been waiting all this time. I knew you'd come back for me. And he's like, oh, well, actually, I just want that alien artefact out of that wagon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We find we find out that Ashilda can't remember her past, or so she claims. Yeah, and she now refers to herself as me, okay, because she's lived so many lives. In order mm. to keep track of who she is now, she simply refers to herself as me. I really like this concept. I've it's something I've never seen with any other thing that deals with an immortal human. The idea that that humans have a finite capacity for memory, you know, and speaking as someone who can't remember what they were wearing the day before, you know, I I would totally understand the idea that someone living that long would have only the vaguest of sense memories of lifetimes ago. Uh So, uh, yeah, I think that's a really interesting concept. And it's it's a shame, I think, it gets kind of buried at times under some of the less well-executed parts of this episode. Because I think it, so, it makes a shielder slash me a really interesting character. So they agree to leave together. They go to a shielder's house. Okay? Yeah. And there's something watching them from the bush. Ooh. Something with headlights for eyes. Yeah. Okay, and we find out the Doctor is tracking an alien artifact. Yeah. And at this point, we get a little montage showing how Ashilda has fought through history. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's fought in most of the wars, okay? And I think it's at this point we get that 10... What is it? The hundred thousand hour principle, or whatever it is. Yeah, because she's talking about being, you know, amazing with a bow and arrow and and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, fine. Yeah. And she says pretty much she's done everything there is to do on Earth, and begs the Doctor to take her with him. Mm. So they agree. What they're going to do is steal this artifact. Yeah. And the Doctor begins to read. Shilda's diaries while she goes for a little walk about for some reason. She's just getting her bits and bobs ready to to uh, break into the house. But okay, uh, so yeah, I'm the doctor read... has a bit of a read, and this is, an, I think, an amazing scene. You know, I, I'm, go- think... I'm going to read the next line of my notes word for word. Okay, go for it. She used to have plague babies. Now she has a hairy cat man in a bush. <laughs> 
So I think yeah. that doesn't do justice that when we see a Shilder's history, we we pretty much just see the bad stuff. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's, she does it's talk really... about husbands and love, but yeah. it's all people she's loved and lost, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's you alluded to this would this was probably gonna be the the, the angle that they take with with her character in that you know. Um, being an immortal is kind of a drag when everyone around you is dying, and yeah, that's true. I do think they 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 do interesting things with it in this episode, and they handle it really well. Um, but yeah, the moment when, when I think Capaldi is amazing when he's just reading out extracts from her journals, like his delivery is so good, and that the heartbreaking thing of there being torn pages and like tear stained uh, words and things. I don't know. It, it 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 tugs on the old heartstrings for me. I think it's a really effective little scene. So the Doctor then challenges her on how she lives. She lives alone, desensitised from the world. She won't acknowledge any of her pain. Yeah. Okay. And she lets slip that she seems to know quite a lot about the Doctor. Yeah. Okay. So... Following on from this, they agree they're going to go steal the artefact. And they yeah. break into the house. It's like a stately home, isn't it? It reminded me of the house from uh, K9 and Company. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of them littered over this country, to be fair. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for the Eye of Hades. Yeah. Which is the most generic name for a MacGuffin ever, isn't it? Yeah, um, it, the the MacGuffin in this story is is pretty like it's it's a magic amulet, isn't it? Or as Capaldi yeah. says, amulet. I love the way he pronounces amulet throughout this episode. <laughs> amulet. So, yeah. so it's a big old. I don't even know what you call that color of gemstone. It's not an amethyst, is it? But yeah. yeah. So once they've broken into the house, they have a little bit of a route around, looking for it, and they enter a room where the homeowner is sleeping, and yeah. they manage to shuffle around him enough that he leaves. Although as soon as he does, Capaldi knocks over like the fire stand with the pokers mm-hmm. in and everything, so yeah. he's immediately summoned back, and they have to hide in the chimney. Yeah, gets a little bit farcical at this point, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, but... Yeah. A little it's... bit of comic relief, probably where yeah. it's needed in the episode. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I, I, I don't say that as a knock against it at all. I like a bit of fuss, and it, it, it's, it's kind of well, well situated in this episode. But yeah, and then they end up having quite, a, quite a heart to heart whilst stuck up a chimney. Yeah. So, Shilda asked the Doctor about loss. Obviously, he's yeah. questioning her about all her loss, and she says, "Well, how many Claras have you lost over the years?" Mm. Which is a bit of a gun, gut punch to the Doctor. Yeah, and something he kind of sidesteps. And when they leave, they're making their way back to a Shilder's house the next morning and are accosted by Sam Smith. Sam Swift, sorry, not, yeah, not Sam, Sam Smith. Swift. He's the singer. He did the James <laughs> Bond song, didn't he? Okay. And we're reminded at this point that the Doctor absolutely hates banter. <laughs> yeah, I so, I I kind I kind of love this. I, I I like it when 
it's something Capaldi particularly does where he's sort of like pushing against whatever genre he's found himself in that week. You know, last week it was like, oh no, not Vikings. I'm not in the mood for Vikings. And this week he's like, nope, I draw the line at banter. You know, because yeah. because we are at this point in a sort of knockabout restoration comedy kind of thing. Um, and yeah, uh, he, he, he wants no part of it. So, me and Sam have a little bit of a fight for a bit. Yeah. There's like a flintlock pistol that goes back and forth between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And Sam ultimately doesn't really accept defeat, but knows he's bested. <laughs> yeah. So, he and, his, he and his crew leave. Okay. And the Doctor and me return to her house. Yeah. When they get there, we're introduced to her old manservant, and I feel bad yeah. I didn't write his name down. Yeah, I mean, he's not in it that much. He's just sort of around, isn't he? He seems like a sort of, to me at least, sort of like a, like a budget version of Bill Nye. He kind of has that <laughs> same uh, sort of hangdog, gloomy quality to him. Yeah, so he's very, very, very old. Yeah. And very, very, very useless. But you can tell yeah. his heart's in the right place. Yeah. He clearly and, cares uh, for a shoulder. And like she was saying, like she he's she's had him around a long time, you know. Like a faithful old dog. Mm. Doesn't seem to have noticed that she's not aged at all. <laughs> no, no. But hey ho. So again, me asks to travel with the doctor. Yeah. Okay, and I think for all the time she's been alone, she's kind of convinced herself that that was always going to be the outcome, and that was what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but he says it would not be good. Yeah, and I don't know whether that means good for him, good for her, or just all in all, he says no. Okay. Yeah, open to interpretation. Yeah. This is probably where we get the best of Maisie Williams this episode, where she has like a little breakdown, a little cry. I would say so, yeah. Okay. However, at this point, enter Leandro, the big yeah. old cat man. Just in time to spoil the scene. Yeah, just just <laughs> <laughs> drive the episode off a fucking cliff. <laughs> I mean... Uh, it's not that bad, it's just... It just... It's jarring, isn't it, right? It just... Yeah, I wonder if he's related to the cats from Gridlock. <laughs> I don't believe so. It's been a, been a while since we've talked about them, isn't it? Yeah, but I think we pretty much firmly established the origin of that. It's just that sooner or later, a human decided they'd fuck a cat. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's what's happened here. Because he's a, he's, a, he's a space lion from another bit of the universe. Um, Space lions. Oh, good grief! Right. Yeah, I mean, and but the thing is, it's weird, isn't it? Because like the Jadoon work, and they're just yeah. space rhinos. But well, the thing uh, is, what is it about the lion that that feels like a, yeah. a bridge too far? Why Why are people so into lions? I know they're like king of the jungle, alpha predator, but there's better animals out there. There definitely are. I want yeah. to see space spectacled bears. 
Yeah, I'd be up for that. Or I'd, space... Yeah. Just a space duck. <laughs> but not like... Uh, not like Ace Duck from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or mm. there was a duck in Bucky O'Hare. We don't want that. I just oh, literally t- want like a giant duck. We've had giant chickens. Give me a duck. Yeah. Because everyone knows ducks have a real dark side. Oh, they do indeed. Let's not go down that road. But uh, no, uh, no, we won't talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I don't. I don't know what it. Whether it was just like. I don't understand what decisions were made where they everyone agreed the best thing they could do right now is have this space lion turn up in this story. I feel like there was a there's a there was a better solution. I just an either. Have the same plot, but just a different kind of... (laughs) Just like a different kind of alien, or or maybe just have... I wonder if there would be a way to do this as more of a pure historical. I would have quite liked a pure historical here, and I think it would have... You had enough supernatural elements. Space space lions of yore. Yeah, that's not what what pure historical means, Matt. But anyway. um, But... Yeah, I don't know. It, it, but it, it definitely, if there's anything weighing this episode down, this is the, this is the thing, isn't it? But anyway, so, yeah. We find out that Shield has been playing the Doctor because yeah. the Catman was forced to leave his home, and he yeah. knows the amulet can open a portal to help him get back there. And as payment for that, he's promised a shielder can come with him and help travel mm. the stars. So he's offered her everything that the Doctor has refused her. Yeah. Okay. But he has done so whilst being clearly, obviously evil. That's the other thing I don't get about it is, he is so clearly evil. Like He's yeah. such a one-note villain. Why would me not have her hackles up even a little bit? And be like, oh, this guy, this this space lion seems a bit shifty. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. Yeah, maybe she just forgotten but... what like shifty is. Maybe that's what <laughs> she forgot. Maybe, maybe like, someone will have told her in a past life. Never trust a space lion. Yeah, maybe but she she's is too, it's too it's too too far gone. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so this is where things get good. So. The Doctor asks Ashilda what happened to her, and she says, well, you did. And yeah. then he gives one of my favourite lines where he says, I didn't know your heart would rust if I kept it beating. Yeah. And she replies with, you didn't save my life, you trapped me in it. So... I do feel... I, like, I, I mean, who do you think's in the right there? Uh, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great line from Capaldi, but I have to be honest, it's a little victim-blamey as well. Yeah. You know, he made this decision for her to bring her back to life, knowing what the potential consequences could be. And, has, and his response is like, well, you know... It's, you're a bad person then, because there was no <laughs> way I could, could guarantee that, that you'd, you'd end up miserable. I don't know. Yeah. It. He's not wrong. Like, 
but uh, yeah, it's yeah. I think you're right. It's column A and column A, isn't it? Yeah, they're both kind of right. Think, both kind of right. I think the other way that Leandro ruins this episode is that you do have this really good dramatic scene, but if you yeah. just look over me shoulder, there's just a big Catman in the background. <laughs> <laughs> like yep. the whole time, I was just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is sad, but. What's he doing? For what, over there? But what is happening? <laughs> what yeah. are you doing, Doctor Who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, very much the elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lion in the, the room. The space lion in the room. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, me is then interrupted by, like, two of her generals or two of her men's servants who say Sam Swift has been captured and he's going to be hung. And it turns out that the amulet requires, is it the death of an innocent man? It does, yeah. In order to power it. So Mae was going to kill her old man servant, but she's now planning to use Sam Swift. So she then tells these men that the Doctor is the Nightmare's sidekick, okay, because the Nightmare had been spotted coming this way. So she wants to use Sam Swift to activate the gem whilst these men accost the Doctor. So the guards are then bribed because they've been promised £20 to watch Mm -hmm. him, which is a small fortune back then. So he offers them £30. (laughs) But the thing is, in, in the past, when the Doctor's given people money... yeah. He's either used the sonic screwdriver to manipulate their bank balance electronically. Yeah. Or he's given them he's gone back in time knowing the winning lottery numbers. But here, mm. currency would have been like real coinage. Where's he yeah. gonna just randomly get thirty he, he pounds says, from? He says he says, uh, I know where Lady B keeps all of her all of her money. He's just gonna nick it from, from her hoard. Ah, right. Right. At first, I was just like, they could have just killed him and that would have been it. Yeah. So he then rides off on a horse, looking like a man who's never ridden a horse before in his life, before it clearly changes to a stunt rider. (laughs) (laughs) Similar thing happened back in Deep Breath when he also rode a horse. Yeah. So then we get loads more patter from Sam Sam Swift Sorry about being well hung. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I we... really like this scene. I think it probably divides opinion a bit, but I really love that you get you get a, 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 a an actor who's probably better known as a stand up, and he's playing this already quite bantery highwayman. And now, like as he's facing his death, he's like, you know what? Just going to do some stand up. Just 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 keep things going as long as possible by yeah. just uh, just cracking laughing. jokes. Yeah, I think it's it's a really charming scene, and Rufus Hound plays it so well. Um, yeah, and I think some of the gags are actually genuinely quite funny. <laughs> you know, yeah, he doesn't overdo it. No, no, I, I, I like, like that they, when they he get starts, the tone just right. When he starts double acting with Capaldi, and Capaldi yeah. genuinely has to put effort into thinking of like catchphrases and yeah, you know, punchlines. Yeah, it's not coming naturally to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Except Mee's had enough, so she turns up and pays the hangman to hurry things along and yeah. to hang him nice and quick. Okay. 
So the Doctor then uses the psychic paper to pardon Sam. Mm -hmm. And as he's set free, Shilda stabs him in the chest with the amulet. Yeah. Okay. Now, as soon as the portal opens, we find out yeah. Lioness, or whatever his name is, can breathe fire. He kept that under his hat, didn't he? I think he does it one point earlier in the episode. Yeah, there's right. one point earlier in the episode where he kind of, like, he, he, he sort of loses his rag at the Doctor and breathes a little bit of fire, and me says, no, we agree, not the Doctor. But uh, it's kind of, it's right. quite, quite, a, a, quite a little moment. But, again, it, it, as if you couldn't, as if the space lion wasn't silly enough. The fact that it's a fire-breathing space lion. Yeah, he's got the power to have all the powers. Yeah, so yeah. we find out that the amulet has been used to power an invasion rather than an escape. Oh no, who would have thought that the obviously evil space lion double-crossed me? Yeah. Yeah. What, what if this ended where it turned out that, like, he was good? And it wasn't he wasn't even a space lion, he was just a man in some makeup. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Or if he was just good and it's just like, no, he's just got a bit of an evil voice because that's what his <laughs> his, uh, his race is like. But yeah, he just comes across quite quite severe. But you know, he's a lovely he's a real sweetie pie underneath it all. Yeah. But no, no, there's literally the sec they don't even bother to send their ships through. Literally the second the portal opens, just start randomly blasting people. Um yeah. so fine. All hell breaks loose. Yeah. And they decide they need to reverse Sam's death. So Shilda yeah. uses the second Maya tablet on him. Yeah, she's she's now, always kept it with her. She said previously nobody's ever been good enough to, to Not not to her warrant. children that died of the plague. No, or well, any of her husbands. But she's, she she's probably... alright using it now. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, I know there's a bit of Sophie's choice, because didn't she have three, like, plague children? I think so. I think also you've got the thing of, like, it, there's an, uh, a suggestion that it will kind of just freeze your body as it is and keep repairing it. So mm. if you do it before they grow up, then you're potentially kind of just keeping them as children forever yeah like an interview with weird. a vampire yeah so, so. uh f fair enough but anyway yeah it's a, it's a ha handy little uh get out clause for this situation so he saved the portal closes the invasion's over what happens yeah. to the lion man he just he he it's a th blink and you'll miss it line and it's an obvious just writing fix to try and tie things up uh he just says, "Oh my! If I fail, my uh, my people will obliterate me." You know, like this was his mission, and he gets one chance. So he literally he just gets vaporized. Oh, good. Yeah, but it, right. again, it's just to kind of just quickly tidy that up without having to do any more legwork. So to celebrate saving the world, the Doctor Sam and me go for a pint. Yeah. And the Doctor tries to convince me that Sam may not be immortal anymore. Mm. But and but he's barely convincing himself. Yeah. As he says yeah. it, yeah. Good little name drop of Captain Jack. Yeah, yeah, nice to have that. Yeah, when they're talking about the fact that, you know, he has travelled with immortals before. Um, could have could have name dropped Romana. Chose not to. I mean, really. technically Roma Romana isn't immortal. She's just... A time lord like 
like the Doctor, but, you know, he's talking about, you know, having an insanely long lifespan and what that does to you. Um, and you know what? You do almost feel it a bit with the Romana era, where you've got two Time Lords travelling with each other. There is a kind of flippancy to them. Mm-hmm. That they're kind of, they're not really taking anything seriously because they don't have to in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting. It, it's got a very particular flavour to it. It's, it definitely, when he's travelling with Romana, it feels very different to when to any of his other more fragile companions. See, um, uh, I can't believe we didn't mention it earlier, but since we mentioned Captain Jack, yeah, uh, a lot of news this week because obviously BBC Three is returning next year. All right, yeah, yeah. So pe- people are like, bring back Doctor Who. Is it confidential? Yeah, people and love about like, Doctor Who. Bring back Torchwood. Bring it all back. Yeah. I would them, love for Doctor Who Confidential. No. <laughs> nah. it, it's of its time. Like, we don't need shows like that anymore. Yeah. I Like, to go back to last week, I used to always, on Sky, watch Game of Thrones, then immediately yeah. watch the talk show about the episode. And I just yeah. think I just can't be bothered with that anymore. <laughs> I never did that, but then I was subscribed to a couple of podcasts and... I much prefer the unfiltered opinions of people who are just fans. And I find that the, 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 the glossy versions of that are always kind of shallow, aren't they? We just mm. got celebrities talking about how much they love something like, yeah, they're never going to say anything negative about something like that because you don't, you know, you don't shit on your own doorstep as it were. Um, but, yeah, but having said that, Doctor Who Confidential is nice because it's just a proper old school behind the scenes thing. You just get to see see the crew going about doing their jobs. It, I like it, I, I and, and I, I do kind of miss it. They can bring it back next year because by then we'll have caught up. So yeah. they can bring it back once we're caught up, and I can watch it. Yeah, maybe I I have been thinking about I I haven't because generally speaking, I watched them once when they came out and never bothered with them since. And, and, and sometimes I'd miss it and I wouldn't lose any sleep over missing it. And one day I'd quite like to just do a binge of Doctor Who Confidential rather than watching the series, just, what, just going through and watching the behind the scenes of every uh, episode. It'd be quite fun. But, right. Yeah. So then, back in the pub, the Doctor gives a really nice talk about how people are like mayflies, but they're what keep life interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Ashilda vows to watch over the Doctor's leftovers. And the Doctor yeah. says, well, does that make us enemies now? And she says, no, no, no. But it's always your friends you've got to worry about. Yeah. So it's, then we... Go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, yeah, it's a really kind of... It's an interesting note to end on with that relationship, isn't it? Mm. You know, they're kind of... There's a caginess, a wariness between the two of them. D- despite the fact that they obviously have a, a respect and, and and stuff for one another. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, and then we get a little bit of little bit of Clara right at the end. Yeah, so the Doctor returns to the TARDIS, Clara comes on board, Yeah, and it, we find out that the Doctor had helped one of Clara's students by letting her phone up Winston Churchill. Yeah. So to say thank you, as we know, all the kids in Clara's class are obsessed with taking selfies. 
So yeah, they love they love the, they love selfies. You know, do you not remember what it was like yeah. five years ago? We were, we were selfie mad. So she says, "Here's the selfie." The doctor takes a look, and wouldn't you believe it? In the background of modern day Britain, it's good old uh-huh. Shilda. So she's coming yeah. back again. Dun dun dun. Is this, is this where you tell me it's a three parter? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going. We're doing something different next week. Okay. Uh, do you want to know what it is? Uh, watching Doctor Who, then talking about it. Uh, yes, no, in that in that respect, we're doing exactly what we always do. But uh, next week, we will be discussing an episode called The Zygon Invasion. Oh, they're back, are they? Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen them so, in a while. Was they, were they in the 50th? Was that the last episode? Yeah, yeah, that's... that's it. And that was only their second ever appearance in Doctor Who uh, on oh, TV. Um, they, did, they had one story in the classic era... Which was quite well liked, and everyone liked them as a, as a, as, a, as a concept for a monster. But they never came back until the fiftieth. So yeah. Now we can't get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, join us next week for that. Uh, but until then, as always, listeners, thank you very much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.